Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin as it's Hashem, BPJ number 37. That's Bais Pnimi, joint group for both men and women, share number 37. We're in the book Eight Dates by John and Julie Schwartz Gottman and by Doug and Rachel Abrams. And we finished date number one. And we're talking about now date number two. Date number two is called Agree to Disagree and How to Address Conflicts. And before I start here, um, I want to urge all of you, because when you hear um, that type of a topic, the, for many people, their reaction is, is to skip over this date, uh, because they attribute conflict and disagreements as something negative, as something that um, you want to avoid, that's something that you want to tip, da- uh, you know, d- dance around. And they're uncomfortable with this whole concept of what do you mean that you spend time on, on a date or actually discussing things that you disagree with. And so we want to take away some pre- in, uh, preconceived notions regarding to this and how this actually, this date, even though from all of them this seems the least likely to connect uh, a husband and a wife, this actually is a crucial point of how to connect a husband and a wife. Now, one hagdam is important to make here is when we're talking about disagreements, we are not talking about traumatic things over here. For example, one refuses, doesn't want to have children, and the other one wants to have children. Or one has an addiction problem, and for substance abuse as an example, and refuses treatment, or there's an addiction other types of addictions, or there's domestic violence, things like that. We're not talking about things that were traumatic, that one deeply hurt the other person. That's a separate discussion altogether. That's more than just agreeing to disagree. What we're talking about here are things that are inevitable, that are just simply there because the two of you, husband and wife, are different people. And there's no way to dance around it. Because you are different people, and you need to learn to work together, there are obviously going to be many, many instances as you're going through even daily life where you're going to see things differently. And the way you react and the way you talk and the way you work out those differences not only will prevent you know, major problems, but it's a Pesach to have an extremely deep, deep marriage, not to run away from those differences but to embrace them. And we're going to talk a lot about them and about different types of problems that some are resolvable, but then there are some that are not resolvable. And people feel when something is not resolvable, they feel a yish, they feel like giving up. Here, we're going to learn the opposite concept. If there's different personalities, and there's certain things where they will have to agree to disagree, it's not resolvable, those aspects are the deepest Pesach of having the most deepest, beautiful relationship. And paradoxically, you become one through that. So I'm going to explain a a case. It's a a secular case. You'll see as it is. But I'm going to explain it, and I'm going to use this as the example, and then we're going to take it from there. He talks about a, um, a man called Wesley and a woman called Marie. So that's what we're going to use. And... Basically, it's like this. They live together, whatever, and then they decide to get married, and they never argued. They were in the first few years of their marriage. They never argued. They never fought. They're like each other's best friends. 
and they couldn't even think of a single thing that they fought over. And um, so then they experienced something over here. But really the truth is, when they discuss, this is a very important point, then when the Marie describes that there is a bliss of the fact that it was so peaceful, really that's not what Shalom is, and that's not really what was happening. It's just a quietness that results from avoiding conflict, which is not healthy, because the conflict does happen. One of the great myths, he says, of marriage is that if you never... Um, disagree. He uses a lot the word fight. And the truth is fight is a very strong word. So I'm going to avoid using the word fight because people in their minds have this vision of fighting like fists and who knows what. So I'm, so I'm going to use the more the word disagreement than fight. But the idea being is that the myth is, is that if you never express disagreement or never discuss uncomfortable issues, that means you have a good relationship. People have this real belief because they just never talk about it and they sort of wiggle away around it. And that means they have a wonderful, beautiful relationship because they're not discussing, not addressing this this conflict, this, this difference that's really there. But one needs to understand that that is not what Shalom is and that's not necessarily a good relationship. We said this before, sadly, there, this um, 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 Wiener Davis was one of them. She, her parents divorced, and she was shocked because they never fought. They always were sort of pleasant to one another, and even, but they never addressed conflict. It's not healthy, because the bottom line is: is you're two people joining together. You have different habits, different personalities, very often different belief systems. That means even in the hashkafa of Tyra, um, hashkafa. There's different belief systems within Torah Hashkafa, and there's quirks and idiosyncrasies, and so on and so forth. And people have this mistake that any long-term relationship, the hallmark of success is the lack of conflict, and that is simply not true. And you're setting yourself up for failure, for disappointment, when you think that way, because it's impossible. You're two different people. There will be levels of conflict, even in the day-to-day life. And there's no reason to be scared of it. So this couple talked about a a topic that they struggled over. Again, it's a secular example. Wesley, the husband, liked to have his television. They had a TV in those days. Now, Now you have computers, but basically a television, still have it. He needed that in order to watch something and then a news or whatever it is. And then he fell asleep while the television was on. The wife, Marie, did not like this. She had trouble falling asleep with the television on. She preferred quiet. She would rather have the television shut off and go to sleep. But because he needed it, she found herself every single night staying awake after her husband, Wesley, fell asleep with the television droning on. And then she would have to go to the television, shut it off so she could sleep. She brought it up but once in a while, but never really shared exactly how much it bothered her. This bothered her because every single night this was, this was the ritual where she tried to fall asleep. The, the TV was droning on and on and on and on till he finally fell asleep whenever that was, and half hour later, 40 minutes later, whatever it is, and then she had to shut herself day, night in, night out, night in, night out. So what happened was her job changed, so she had to get up a lot earlier 
So as this was going on, she needed more sleep. So she found herself more and more annoyed at him. He, he, she viewed this as selfish. And she would lie awake thinking about how she pays half the mortgage because she also works. And she bought a new bed for, with the, for them. And, and she felt like a stranger. And her anger and resentment got built and grew and grew. But she didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. Eventually, because of this conflict that triggered she wondered, did I make the right choice marrying this uh, Wesley, her husband? And, um, and this is how it's going to be. And, and, and so she became more frustrated, but she never expressed why she was frustrated. Meanwhile, the husband, Wesley, realized the change in, her hus- in, her, in Marie's behavior, started thinking that she was getting more like sharp with him, more impatient with him, and... He was puzzled because one of the reasons he married her because she was the most kindest, one of the most kindest people that he had ever met. Always smiling. He loved making her laugh. But but more and more, his humor, she was silent now. And she he had no idea, honestly. She had no idea what was really bothering her. And when he asked her if anything was wrong, Marie would answer, everything's fine, everything's fine. And he was wondering, did I make a mistake? All of a sudden, this, this woman I married that used to be loving now is a stone-faced, and she used to be a happy, beautiful woman, and, and she disappeared. What happened? So eventually, the, the husband confronted the wife, Wesley confronted Marie, asking, I need to know what's wrong. Why are you treating me so badly? Now, when Marie heard this, she was totally shocked. In her mind, he was the one that was treating her badly. He was the selfish one. He kept that television on at night till he fell asleep. So finally, 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 Marie told her husband what was bothering her all along. And she started crying and she said, I guess it's over for us. The relationship is over. The husband was totally shocked. Was totally shocked. You know, this thing could trigger that you're saying this is not a good marriage or that I'm not the right person for you. He was totally shocked. Then he started to explain to her something. He says, I want you to understand something. Yes, you're you're, you're upset now because of my habit of, of, of turning on the television and needing to go to sleep with the television on. But I want to explain to you something. I had a single mother that worked two jobs. And I was very much alone most of the time. And the television was the only thing I had. I was a lonely child. It was my friend. And one time our house was broken into and it was broken and the television was stolen. And I was devastated because the only comfort I had at night was with that television gone. I had nothing. And it was terrible. Now, Marie never heard this story. And she started feeling tremendous empathy for him for her husband as a little boy being so lonely, needing the television as a friend. It changed her whole perspective. Still annoyed her, but... And then so the husband said to her, why do you think it's over between us? It's just about a television. We can figure it out. It could, we could figure it out. Now, it says, as it turned out, Marie never fought with her husband, Wesley, because she was afraid of all conflicts. Because when she grew up, she never heard her parents disagree. When things got difficult, what would happen? The mother would take Marie and her brothers and sisters, leave the house, check into a hotel. Even if it was in the middle of the night, got into something with her husband, just left. 
uh, or they would, he would hurry them in the car, go to the nearest hotel. She would act like it's on vacation, swam in the pool, ordered room service, returned home after a few days. No one discussed what exactly happened. One time only, her, her Marie heard her parents yelling right after they told her that they were getting divorced. And later on, as Marie went into high school and her mother was, was single and dating, her mother would break up with boyfriends by changing their home phone number. So Marie didn't realize it, but she internalized this idea that all conflicts are to be avoided. And if there's ever a fight, it means the relationship was over. So each one had their life childhood stories that defined their relationship. And when they shared these stories with one another, when Marie talked about how in her, her, her home, her parents avoided conflict at all costs, which created this damage, and that's why she's doing it herself. And then when, when Wesley explained why he's so connected to that television because of his lonely childhood, it, cha- it was a game changer for both of them. They both started to understand each other, why they had this these things. Because for Marie, having a disagreement and being able to talk about it is like a miracle. How do you do that? How do you do that? Because she always, in her parents' home, avoid conflict, and she continued it. How do you talk about conflict and have the relationship continue? But the truth be told, not only did the relationship not end when they openly discussed their, their conflict, she felt much closer to her husband now. Now they started sharing childhood experiences with one another. Their relationship went to a new, deeper level. They felt more real, she said. I look forward now to these conflicts. Why? Because now we, 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 we come out afterwards with a much deeper understanding. We learn something new about each other, and it brings us closer and closer. So I don't go looking for fights. This is a big aside. It's not like you're looking to argue, but you can't run away from a, from a conflict. And I, she said, after a while, I learned to love the feeling, what we get through after we have a hard time and we work it through together. That's what the relationship is all about. And even if we are disagree, we are on the same team and we're finding ways to understand each other and work things out. So I'm going to say that line again. Even when we disagree, we still are on the same team and we're trying to find the, a way to understand each other and to work it out. So, for example, with this television issue, they made they worked out, they figured out they have a certain remote timer that turns the television off after 20 minutes automatically. That was their solution with that particular problem. So, for most people, you know, when they... When, so, this is the idea of this date night or whatever it is that you spend time working on these disagreements... Not to avoid it, again, because we're talking about when you have a warm relationship, we're not talking about anything traumatic, we're not talking about deep, deep hurts, we're talking about the simple day-to-day living where you're really different, like the television story, or whatever, and you work towards understanding and accepting these differences. It's very, very important. I want to bring up a, a, a point right now, before we go on, about this these two traumatic stories. The husbands and the wives. So here you have a husband that needed the television in order to go to sleep because he was all alone and the television was all he had. One needs to understand, and we're going to get, we, we didn't give Shiorim on yet, yet, but eventually I do want to give Shiorim on addiction 
and on the 12 steps in particular, because the 12 steps is is key to Torah values, and those 12 steps very often could be used even for people that are not addicted to anything at all. There are many, many healthy Torah-based practices within those 12 steps. That's important for every Jew to keep, and we're going to talk about that. But the bottom line is, is part of it is, is take this example where he's connected to, a te- uh, to, to watching television because it's a soothing voice that calms him and gets rid of his loneliness. Now, it is misdirected, and now he knows he could share with his wife, and there's other ways to stave off his loneliness in healthier ways. But when one is addi- uh, 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 has this addiction, and ironically, paradoxically, in order to let it go, they need to recognize the deeper thing behind it is they're using it to fill a void. And they are using it as a friend to fill a void. And, and, and once they recognize it and they let it go, they, they're appreciative, they realize this is the way I coped till now. And I, I needed it in order to cope with my deeper feelings. But now I can let go of it. That's a big part of the healing process. And this idea with the wife of her parents always involving conflicts, disagreements, created this within her that she couldn't get herself to do it. And a lot of you, it's very important to understand this. We're not, not talking about being contentious. We're, not, we're talking about where you're careful with Ainar meaning you talk with sensitivity, always with sensitivity. But and, and yes, there are certain things when things that are upsetting or annoying where it's better to actually be quiet and let it pass. We talked about this a lot. But then there are many, many things just simply in the day-to-day living with each other that when you open up, when it's important to talk about, and you open up and you discuss it with one another, it won't only not damage the relationship by doing that, it deepens the relationship by doing that. When you explain to this, I want you to understand this habit that I have didn't come... Because once when Marie heard from her husband how her mother had two, his mother had two jobs and was lonely and was alone and he had nothing else to do and he felt terrible and was devastated when, 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 when he felt that lonely and terrible and the television was a way to soothe his, himself in order to connect and to hear those voices to feel less alone, her whole perspective on it changed. There was a compassion there it wasn't just annoyance anymore. He, she got this insight of why he did this. And they worked out the solution. But it created a deeper bond between the two. Same thing with the husband, not uh, Wesley, not understanding Marie. How could you say a relationship is over because of a, a little conflict? And why didn't you tell me all along that this was bothering you and we could have resolved it much earlier? And when once she explained the pattern in her childhood... He understood why it was difficult for her to open up about problems. And she started working more on sharing those differences. And he discussed it. And those those connections created a much deeper bond. And this is why I always also say that very often people that are married 20, 30 plus years, they think they know each other like a book and they know very little about each other, even if they're together with each other 24-7 and they interact a lot, but they barely know each other because they don't know these deeper stories about one another, the childhood experiences that shape them, their inner feelings, their inner emotions, their inner perspectives. And 
And very often, when you share this, it very often explains a lot that behavior. So now there's every, there were many, many situations where husband to wife, wife to husband, they're frustrated at their spouse's behavior. And, and once they understand where it's coming from and their spouse explains it to them, they may still be, you know, not happy about it and they want to work through it and work out a resolution, but the whole anger and disappointment and disillusionment and resentment goes away because there's a clear understanding now of where it's coming from. And that helps a a lot. So I'm asking you all, because this date number two, you read the title, agreeing to disagree and conflict, and your first reaction is, I don't want to discuss this. (laughs) I don't want to have a date with this. I don't want to, but I'm telling you, when you learn, when these things come up anyway, it's not like you're looking for fights or you're looking for disagreements, but it comes up mela in life that you, because of the two of you being so different, if you don't run away from it, but you learn how to communicate and share, it not only not ends the relationship, it not only doesn't put danger in the relationship being weakened, it creates a certain deeper closeness, even more than those feelings of initial love and ahav and whatever it is. It creates the most deepest bond that the love after working through it is so deep and so beautiful. And it's Kedai to embrace this. And we're going to talk more about it as Hashem in the upcoming share.